Part four of Coniston Tales by W. G. Collingwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the Mines in the Mountains, a Greek letter. Written about eighty five AD. Note Demetrius was a real person, and so was his supposed correspondent. The tablet he dedicated to Oceanus Antithes I have seen in the museum at York. Mention of his studies in Britain is made by Plutarch. We do not know that the Coniston mines were actually worked by the Romans, though many writers have affirmed as much. Perhaps the iron mines in Low Furness were known to them, and worked even still earlier, for at Stainton two polished stone celts were found in the old men's workings. In many other parts of England the Romans certainly mined and smelted, and their coins and pottery have been discovered in the heaps of slag and rubbish where they worked. End of note. Demetrius, the scribe to Ammonius, master of philosophy, health and happiness. Many a time it has come into my mind, O Ammonius, to send thee word of my latest wanderings in this isle of Britain, but the distance and the wildness of this barbarous country, and the irregularity of messengers have prevailed, but now it seems I can pay the debt, for know that I am come to the shore of the uttermost parts, to a haven whence to-morrow a ship will sail, venturing forth like Perseus, winging his way from the unknown mountains of Atlas, committing itself like the bark of Ulysses to the streams of encircling ocean, in the amazing hope of revisiting Iberia and the pillars of Heracles, and so through the happier waters of our own sea, making for Rome, thence to Delphi is as it were but a step, so that even this frail wax tablet may come to thy honoured hands. The master mariner to whom I spoke but now laughed at my wonderment when I asked him what chance he had of reaching port. Said he, with fair wind and good fortune, in two months or so we shall be eating grapes on the quay at Ostia. Never a doubt, saving reverence due to the Nereids. And I, said he with a grin, am no hylas but indeed a wonderful place is this little harbour, Ravenglass. Five years ago a desert of spreading sandhills by the grey and many-sounding sea, or at least a village of the wildest barbarians, who, in frail barks of basket, so they call it, covered with bull's hides, essay the fishery of herring and of cod, yea, even attack the porpoise and the seal. Then comes our great Agricola, marching through estuary and forest, opening out dense ways and lightless tracks for the rays of wisdom and the arts of life to enter in. With eagle eye he sees that the haven was fair, being a landlocked pool where three rivers meet, and a narrow opening to the hyperboreal expanse of storm. Note, by the way, that hereabouts they find pearls, though such as I have seen to-night be but little, and internally brownish of hue, with no more than a dull gleam upon them but with a word our Julius bids a camp arise, and lo, a town, well-placed, defensible, and for such a climate neither unfit nor uninhabitable. Yonder, they say, I saw it not, one beholds the island of Mona, and from this port go three roads, to the south, to the north, and to the west, whereby the goods of the merchants and the sinews of war are carried on the backs of men and horses far into the heart of the land. Here, then, at the consummation of my travel through woods and wilds, I am greeted by the delights of life, supper not wholly uneatable, being a sheldrake, 
thought a delicacy by these natives, and with it a salmon and oysters. There is a roof above me fairly built, a couch to lie upon, and, wonder of wonders, a bath within a few paces of the door. What is no less welcome, I find converse of human beings, unlike the apes of the mountains. Think not I mean the same breed with those of Africa, but creatures that are not far removed. Thou sayest, even apes are not too mean, nor too unclean, for thy disciple to regard with the eye of inquiry. Be it so, and indeed I have sought to take the measure of these Gadilic monsters, even to the gauging of their poor wits, and the probing of their shallow ideas of things they ignorantly assert concerning the gods. But the mere sound of a Greek or even a Roman voice cheers me, after the painful solecisms of barbarous guides, and the interpreted stammerings of the more uncouth mountaineers. Ah, me! have I often said, as I strove to hear their various and incomprehensible babbling, who shall interpret the interpreters? I call them apes, but in jest. Thou knowest I scorn them not wholly in my heart, for as the Roman says, homo sum, and so forth. Now wilt thou ask, where have I been, in what wilds, among what savages, finding what adventures? My Ammonius, among the Gadeli, for so my apes are called, and in their savagest hills. Mountains I know, and thou knowest, for do not the mountains rise behind Tarsus, my native town, city of great men, and do they not encircle thy sacred home of Delphi? But what is the great Parnassus's self to these they call Skudau, and Elbelin, and Pens, and Cathars, and such like names, innumerable in their jargon? Thinkest thou I compare them for their size? Not so, for in mere altitude I reckon Taurus, or the Heliconian summit, at twice their importance. Thinkest thou for their prospects? I smile, never was sight more horrible, for sheer lack of aught that may make travelling endurable, for cold and wet, for hunger and toil, for roughness of rock and pathlessness of waste, for treacherous swamp and tangled forest, and above all for danger of yet unsubdued savages, fiercer than their wolves and wild bulls. For these no Caucasus nor Alps may be compared with that I have gone through to-day, and I shake the dust, nay, the mud of them from my weary feet. From being sent, as thou knowest, O Ammonius, by Augustus Domitian, of whom the gods preserve, to search out the resources of this island, and to add unknown wealth to the glory of the empire, I came to Eburacum. How I travelled, what honourable reception I had from the governor, how I laboured to approve myself worthy of his welcome, teaching for a season in the schools which he, greatly, in my judgment, hoping, has founded for the better sort of barbarians. All this I have written and sent by the imperial messenger. To the daring seaman who pushes forth into the unknown to-morrow, I entrust these less valued lines. Know then that Agricola the governor, having travelled in these parts, and having sought information from the natives, bade me search diligently for certain iron and copper of which tales were told. I heard and obeyed. By the road his centurions had made, I travelled through the land of the Brigantes, making all haste across the less rugged but not more fertile hill country, until I came to a great bay, called by the Britons Moore Cam, which is to say the Crooked Sea, thence over wide wet sands. Thou knowest, in these places the sea falls twice a day, 
and twice comes roaring back to take up its place was it that which homer meant in saying the streams of ocean and not only the currents and whirlpools thereof i leave this by the way to thy better judgment now across the sands there is a well-known road by the coast of the Sistuntii, and where the successive estuaries of lona and canta and lebena give place to dry land the road is made over white rocks that put me in mind of the white crags of greece forgive the comparison for to an exile even the likeness of stone with stone takes the eye and these white rocks whereof i bring with me morsels are assuredly like our marble though coarser in grain being well fitted for burning to lime there is also good abundance of a tophaceous marl fit for agriculture now when i had passed the sands without mishap trusting to my guides i came to a road well made in the red earth through an undulating land and on a brow above a little valley found lodging in the station founded by our agricola footnote he seems to mean dalton in furnace End of footnote. thereabouts the rocks are red and it needed no witness to show me iron lying somewhere hidden in the limestone not to weary thee with many a day's toil i found a good oar and marked the spots showing my tables of authority to the prefect i bade him set men to work digging it in places better and more profitable than those where the ignorant natives had scratched the soil with rude stone tools smelting the red ore in ruder hearths thence after repose seven days ago it seems a month of nights i set forth hearing that copper was found in the mountains my heart failed me to venture into those trackless wilds but duty and the service i owe impelled me to risk my life for am i not as it were the soldier of philosophy therefore i set forth with a good company and well armed given me by the prefect under a centurion responsible for my safe conduct to whom was added a ragged crew of aborigines who partly for fear and slavish awe and partly tempted by promises for agricola's comity has taught me to deal friendly even with these apes had taken oath on all they held sacred of which more hereafter to show me where copper might be for thou mayest believe to seek mines in these mountains be a man ever so expert is seeking knots in a rush without he have some forewarning of their place in a little while we left the plain if plain it be called being but the shelf of shore along another estuary forgive the comparison again but i held it not unlike the coasts of thy home in that mountains stand over against mountains with inlets of the sea between then we struck into the wilderness and forced our way through woods of oak and beech the olive is unknown in this region nor does the cypress grow though the juniper is as it were a mockery of it and we passed over tracts of heather which wonderful to relate blooms even here it's gladdened me to breathe its well-remembered fragrance much club moss is found on the hills and plucked by our britons for charms according to their religion before us were ever the distant mountains purple on the afternoon sky the multitude of birds astonished me of lesser kinds were flights innumerable but what thou wouldst admire is the wild peacock of the north a great bird of many colours that makes its nest in these moors footnote the capicaeli end of footnote at evening so wearied was i for i could not always ride on my horse the ways being far too rough 
and I often rode on the back of an unsavoury Gadalus. Pity me, Ammonius. So wearied was I, that I fell supine upon the heather which they gathered for my couch, and so continued until the sun was high. That day I came to a lake, long and narrow, embosomed in the wooded hills. Here the freshwater fishery might be to some profit, if ever men were brought to live so far away from the world. But who can dwell in such a place, even to eat fresh trout? Upon heathery wastes I did indeed see huts of the Gadeli, and smoke arising. I bade my men catch one of these same apes, that I might see whether he had the form of humanity, and one they caught asleep in his lair. He blinked at me from under a shaggy red thatch of matted hair, and truly, though thou mayest exclaim and doubt, he might have passed, were he washed and combed, for one of those red Galatians, long-limbed and barbarous of aspect, whom I have seen come down to Tarsus. But he would answer no word to all questions, and my men, being used to such cattle, began to twist his arms and chastise him, that he should speak. But I, more humane, as becomes thy disciple, and a follower of our Julius, bade them somewhat sharply to desist, on which released he was gone in the twinkling of an eye, skipping among the tall bushes of heather, and hardly discernible at the distance of a stone's throw. One of my men, recovering himself, did indeed sling a bullet after him, but it seemed to fail of the mark, for which the centurion smote him down, and promised discipline to those that had let the ape go free. Thou mightest say, my master, that they were not wholly to blame. I will bear it in mind, if indeed punishment be not already meted out. And yet in these wilds there is little time for ethical disputations, and the nice balancing of motives, as we use in the schools. The soul of a man deserts his head, and seems to travel to the finger-joints of his right hand, which, being prompt, has a justice of its own in this land of Britain. So thus I came into the very heart of the mountains, beside a roaring stream that led into a dell exceeding narrow. I passed therein with fear and trembling, for the rocks were high above my head, and great stones lay around, but lately fallen and shattered. By the mercy of the gods we came through, but only to find rocks still more frightful and dangerous, reaching to the sky all around, and great waterfalls hanging from them, and clouds covering their tops. Who knows how lofty and threatening! I put up a prayer to the deities of the place, and to the genius of Augustus, as well I might, and took heart somewhat, for true it is, in spite of doubting, that holy beings dwell in these sacred recesses. Have I not felt their awe? Even my soldiers, nay, even the apes themselves, believe it, held breath and seemed to fear. Now the rock of these mountains is black, and in places I found, for we spent the night even there, certain pillars of stones hexagonal, such as are seen only in land near a burning mountain, for such is my experience. Seeing which, I inquired if fire had ever been known to burst from the earth. They assured me that no such thing was in any old stories or songs of the people, and yet there are great craters in these hills, like that of Vesuvius, sometimes filled with water, which might seem to have quenched the native fire. Footnote. It was clever of him to notice this, but he was quite mistaken, as every schoolboy knows nowadays. End of footnote. And yet thou knowest how Vesuvius, so long quiet, 
burst forth but five years ago and with what terrible consequences i braved every danger and confident in my mission and the protection of the gods explored the uttermost cranny of this tartarian gulf it is in these crannies that copper is found a white streak of hard stone sparkling like alabaster and a glimmer as of gold in it or a streak of soft red earth in the solid rock stained with green spots betrays the metal some little holes have been dug here and there by the natives but as before the best places were untouched these i noted and the manner of finding them again and shortly fortune favouring shall send men to open out mines and with due authority to work them for copper but the lamp burns low my sailor snores at the door waiting this hour for the letter i scribble hastily the tablets will hold no more than must suffice to tell thee how after a day's journey through hills even as frightful i came to a fort on a steep lofty tongue of land in the midst of the mountains where the builders are still at work footnote hardknot castle of course End of footnote. there i was well received and resting for one night travelled more easily by a road even now in making through a valley unspeakably hideous and wild beside a river whereof when i asked the name they could tell nothing but usk or esk which is no more than to say water such is the state of these barbarians and now after short repose i must again venture forth into these mountains for i hear talk of still richer mines in them me oceanus antithes whom i here behold face to face under the stars send me safe into civilised regions may all good gods be with thee farewell salute the young plutarch for me and tell him that i who laughed once follow him now in carrying tablets with me and noting all new things in the moment of seeing them End of part four.